Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. All righty, cool. I'm recording so you guys can start whenever. Okay. Wait one second. I got to pull up the ad read. Very bad. And what's the ad read? Uh, Andy Ludke. Oh, the My Perfect Franchise. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey alongside Anthony Broom here on a Thursday, taking you into the NFL draft, which kicks off tonight with the first round, goes Friday and Saturday. Uh, it'll cap off Saturday evening. We'll talk about Michigan's guys heading there, thinking uh, about seven, eight guys potentially picked. This weekend, maybe some uh, fireworks tonight in the first round. We'll get to that. Some predictions. Uh, we will also talk about Michigan pursuing a kicker in the transfer portal. Um, we've seen a few guys leave this week, but Michigan potentially about to add another. And then we'll talk about the team trip, which is coming up on the East Coast here starting this weekend. Uh, but before we get to all of that, we want to talk about our sponsor, My Perfect Franchise. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Well, Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner, helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. You can contact Andy Ludke 
uh, www.myperfectfranchise.net. For the people watching on YouTube, we got the site pulled up right there. Uh, you can call him, 404-973-9901. Send him an email, andy at myperfectfranchise.net, or head to the website there, book a time with him on his calendar. Uh, hit Andy's calendar there. Again, 100% free consultation, so uh, all the information you need is at your fingertips right there. Thank you to Andy for his support, as always, here on Thursdays. Um, Anthony Broom, you are a draft guy. How are you feeling? Oh my gosh. Well, more so than being a draft guy, I am like a Detroit Lions guy by yeah. birth, which means which means by proxy, the NFL draft becomes your Super Bowl every year because we've <laughs> never been to one. So um, and then as you graduate into the later stages of what we do, uh, you know, one of my first I mean, obviously, I've been covering Michigan for almost a decade. One of my first big boy jobs where, you know, I had to pay taxes and benefit, you know, had benefits and things like that was covering the NFL and it made me love this weekend even more because it's a marriage of it's a marriage of these two entities that you know Saturday we go to work all day we watch these guys every snap these guys play you know at least on the Michigan side of things and then Sunday when we're decompressing or not really there is no decompressing during football season but Sunday when we're couch bound instead of press box bound you're watching the NFL all day and you're seeing these guys that you've watched on Saturdays make plays and, and you know guys that are stars uh, in college maybe transition into being role players at the next level guys that were kind of under the radar uh find the right spot in the nfl right coach right development become stars at the next level uh, a la a la tom brady so uh for me it's just uh no I'm, I'm always over the moon about draft weekend it is one of those like stop everything you're doing and, and lock in. I'm the guy like more often than not, I will watch or follow along with all seven hours on Saturday. I mean, there's going to be four hours Thursday night, five hours on Friday night. I mean, it's, it's a long weekend, especially when you wind up those, those NFL draft weekends when I was actually working on a beat in that league are it's a grind more, maybe more so than uh, you know, think of like three straight days of national signing day is the mm. type of, type of grind that that is but it's just uh it's really cool and, and i really enjoy it i like the group we'll talk about these the guys that are coming out of the michigan class but uh you know not as not as much high-end talent in terms of first round you know last year i had the number two overall pick that doesn't happen a lot uh for michigan there's no guys that are in that vein this year but uh another another healthy dose of guys that will go to the league and again we've talked about this a lot this offseason maybe the biggest storyline for michigan in this draft class is the guys who didn't enter this draft and decided to come back. So uh, next two years should be a lot of fun. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think that top end talent, some of it might be in Ann Arbor right now getting ready for this fall. I mean, numerous guys that could have gone decide to come back, um, which obviously is a major storyline of the Michigan football season, but it is a storyline that's going to seep in here this weekend as well. Uh, and I have come to appreciate the draft a little bit more doing this over the last few years uh, and, and watching you know, these Michigan guys kind of achieved their dream. So I'm excited for tonight. And I think we will probably, you know, odds would say have a Michigan player go here uh, in the first round. It's interesting. We were talking before the show too. Uh, AB is it seemed like DJ Turner there after the combine, after his pro day was kind of creeping up and becoming, you know, potential late first round guy. Now seems like the consensus here. I haven't found a mock draft in terms of these final ones the last couple days that has him there, all of them in the second round. And then Mozzie Smith 
is more of the guy who is the first round uh, guy who's almost flipped with him in terms of stock. And, and I, I know new Intel comes in during draft week and things like that. But I want to ask you uh, to start first round. Who's going? How many you know Michigan guys? It's really those two are the only candidates. But uh, what do you think will happen in, in the first round with these guys? That's the thing. I mean, it is just so unpredictable. We were talking about it before we uh, we pressed record here in that, you know, once you get to maybe pick 15 or prospect 15 on your board, whatever it is, uh, it's kind of it's kind of wide open. I mean, there's not a lot of drop off between maybe those mid first round guys and some of those mid to late second round guys. So, you know, I could see both Mozzie Smith, DJ Turner going late in the first round. I certainly don't think either of them would be selected before. I don't know the mid to late twenties. Um, you know, everyone is in that in that range. Everyone's moved up a slot because the Miami Dolphins don't have a first round pick this year. But you know, I tend to believe it probably would be Mozzie just because of the athletic traits. Um, you know, Michigan asked him to play a lot of nose tackle and and to eat up blocks. But and I think that you know, in large part, that can be what he does in the NFL. But he's also a guy that uh, when you look at some of these athletic testing numbers again we didn't see didn't really participate in the combine didn't really do much of anything at pro day uh but you know he's a guy that headlined bruce feldman's freaks list uh he has the chance to be a, a more disruptive uh, defensive lineman at the next level um obviously not a one-to-one comparison but you know it's just an example of how your roles can change uh like rashawn gary was more or less kind of a not, I won't say a run anchoring defensive end, but you know, he was, he was more setting an edge more than rushing the passer uh, when he was at Michigan. And now, you know, he's one of the better young pure pass rushers in the NFL. It's just, just a matter of where you go and and the tools that you have. And it's not, you know, the NFL draft is all about projectable traits. Uh, So for me, I think it's Mozzie Smith uh, that probably has the better shot to go. I think the cornerback class is, is fairly deep. Um, you know, you look at DJ Turner and, you know, he's, he's sticky in man coverage. I mean, he is a guy that will, uh, I knew he was fast. I didn't know he was fourth fastest 40 yard dash in the history of the NFL combine fast. I don't know that he always plays that fast. Um, and obviously you'd like to see maybe, you know, your, your boundary corners, you want a little more length there. He's only five eleven. um, not super disruptive in terms of being a ball hawk or, you know, making plays on jump balls. I mean, just think. You know, my frame of reference is the NFC North. Just think of being in a one-on-one against a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's just bigger, more physical, and things like that. So um, I think that he's probably probably more of an early to mid-second round pick. Um, but again, it's all – they see those traits, and they see sticky in man coverage, and they see, you know, the athletic potential. I, nothing would surprise me, and it all just kind of comes down to, to teams. And there have been mocks that have – both of these guys in the first round, there have been mocks that have had one and one. There have been mocks where, you know, both of them are still sitting there late in the second round. So I don't know. A lot of people, there are a lot of, there are more draft analysts out there now than there have ever been because everyone, everyone's a content creator now. Um, all you need is a Twitter account or a YouTube account and, you know, access to film to be that, which is great. Uh, but I just, no one, I don't think anyone can sit here in, in good confidence and say, yeah, this is where this guy's going. For sure. Um, and, and once the chaos starts, it seems to, you know, kind of change on a dime there. And, and there's going to be some su- surprises, especially in the second half of the first round. I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be Mozzie. 
probably as a first rounder, there's just too many teams. It seems like in the twenties that need a defensive tackle. When you read the you know articles about what each team needs. Um, and, and I think he could be a perfect fit there reading Mel Kuyper jr. His uh, final mock today, calling Mozzie the best run stuffer in the entire class. That's valuable stuff right there. Um, you know, you talk about everyone needs, you know, these elite pass rushers now, but you still got to stop the run to, you know, let those pass rushers go to work on third down. So Mozzie there. Uh, and if my math or not my math, but if my research is correct, uh, Mozzie would be the first Michigan defensive tackle to go in the first round since 1985, Kevin Brooks going number 17 overall to the Dallas Cowboys. So this would That's be surprising. Uh, yeah, it, I was surprised to keep scrolling back on on the uh, list of draftees there. And if DJ Turner goes in the first round, uh, he would be the first Michigan corner to go first round since Leon Hall went number 18 in 2007. They've had some pretty good corners, but mostly third, fourth uh, round types and you know some success there. But first round is a whole different deal. Um, let's talk about a guy who I think is probably going to go next behind those two guys that could go in the first and, and maybe the second it's Luke Schoonmaker. And I wouldn't have said that a couple months ago, but he's been one of the bigger risers. It seems like of the entire draft process, didn't even get an invite to the senior bowl. He goes to the shrine bowl was hurt still from the AC joint injury he had in the fiesta bowl. So didn't do a whole lot, but I think he's, he's a guy that's really impressive, uh, in interviews, uh, from what I've read. And, and it doesn't surprise us, right, uh, having talked to him on numerous occasions over the last few years. Super impressive guy. Um, but his strength, you know, he's a good blocker. He can pass catch, and I think he showed that a lot more last year than he ever got to just because of opportunity with Eric All going down and some other young guys being contributors there. But I like Luke Schoonmaker. I think he is going to have a good career uh, and be one of those, you know, many Michigan tight ends that do so. But uh, your thoughts on where he could end up? I think probably third, fourth round is is where you know we'd project him. Yeah, I think third round is kind of where you start you start keeping an eye on him. Uh, this is a historically good tight end class. I mean, there's probably there could be as many as three that go in the first round just from all the mocks I've been seeing. Um, so, and again, you know, anytime there you have a Michigan pass catcher in the draft because they don't usually have a featured guy. There's always questions about you know the lack of. Um, the lack of why, why is the word escape me? Lack of catches, lack of production is what I was looking for. Um, so that makes, it makes GMs dive into the tape. And I think when he had as good a combine as he did, I think a lot of teams kind of had to go back and say, okay, well, this guy, um, he's more than a willing blocker. He's got the athletic frame. He moves well. Um, you know, his situation didn't really allow for him to have, you know, 50, 60 catches, 70 catches, like a lot of these tight ends do, but, you know, I, I could see a scenario where he winds up being a really solid, like number two tight end somewhere. Um, you know, there are a lot of NFL teams that run the two tight end sets like like Michigan does. There are teams that just in general are going to throw the ball 40 times a game. Um, so I think that Schoonmaker to me, uh, again, I think he's a quality number two somewhere uh, in the right situation. I think he's a good enough receiver. I think that he can be now he's a little bit on the older side. I think some. I think I read somewhere and, and you could, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's going to be either 24 or 25 this season. So he's on a little, a little bit on the older side, which drops you down the board a bit, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, if he finds somewhere to go where he can be part of a play action passing game there, you know, middle of the field, just kind of open. I think that's a where he can feast. 
For sure. We saw that, and uh, Megan, our producer, pulled up a photo from the Indiana game. That's all. I mean, he lived there, middle of the field, had, a, what, 10 catches in that game at mm-hmm. Indiana last year when he really started to break out and become, I think, J.J. McCarthy's favorite target, really, uh, until he suffered some injuries late in the year. But Luke Schoonmaker, Googling it right now, great tool. September 28th, he will turn 25. So you're right. He is going to be oh. a little bit older, spent five years in in college, and – um, you know, so I think they're going to look at that, but he grew up a Patriots fan. Uh, seems like the Packers are, are looking for a tight end. So we could see him. Uh, Lions go. could use one. Lions could use one for sure. Maybe at number six overall, just kidding, but don't you dare. We've been, we've been there before. Um, I, uh, brief, brief tangent here. It's so funny that we're talking, you know, Oh, he's 25 years old. He's ancient. Like, and I'm, I just turned 30 and like my knees crack every morning when I get out of bed, but 25 years old he's some fossil it's it's just kind of funny how they how these scouts are sometimes true for sure um so now i kind of wanted to go rapid fire for the next few guys but they all are really really interesting um and i want to start with jake moody which is he's gonna get picked i think this weekend Uh, there's i mean there's little doubt in my mind you know i think there's a chance he doesn't but to me I'm, i'm pretty confident in saying that you see you know He's like a top 150 prospect, according to a couple different places. He's probably going to be the first kicker off the board. There has been uh, – he, he would be the 16th kicker to be picked since 2014. So it's gotten more and more popular that people are actually using draft picks on kickers. There has been at least one chosen in each of the last seven drafts, and I think Jake Moody leads the way here. Um, unbelievable pro day. Uh, I forget the exact numbers, but I think he only missed one kick. He lined up and made like a 63 yarder. Um, so just ridiculous. And I would love to see him on, on the Detroit lions. I know you read like when I was Googling Jake Moody and doing some, uh, you know, writing over the last couple of weeks on the draft, there's an article from like every team site in the entire NFL. They're like, you know, in about half need a kicker ish, you know, maybe 10, 15, all those teams were like, they could use Jake Moody. We could use Jake Moody, especially Dallas Cowboys. Seems like a lot of buzz there. Um, your thoughts quickly on Jake Moody potentially being the top kicker off the board. And I mean, I think he's just immediately going to boost, uh, you know, and give a team, you know, what they would need in the kick game. When you look at the Cowboys, w- what a disaster that was last year. Uh, I mean, he, I don't, he's not going to be that, you know, he's not gonna be missing extra points in the playoffs. Like he is a super reliable guy. He's older too, which I think you probably want out of a kicker too. He's had so many different experiences, clutch kicks. Uh, I just think Jake Moody is going to be a, a rock solid kicker in the NFL. Yeah, he's got the talent, and I know he missed six field goals last year, but it feels like it feels like every time Jake Moody missed a field goal, it was because here, Jake, it's an, uh, a haphazardly thrown together two minute drill in the wind. Uh, uh, we sputtered out. Here's a 56 yard attempt for you right before we head into the locker room, and our, it, it just always feels like that. That's kind of what he fell privy to. Um, you know, when you take a kicker, I think so much of it is, you know, he has the talent. A lot of these guys, the leg talent is there, but for him, it's the makeup. I mean, I think that anyone who has a meeting with him, um, he is the most, he's an interesting guy. Like he's, I, when we would do media stuff with him, he's, he's very interesting to talk to, but he's just very even keel. And, you know, you can see that he doesn't really get frazzled by missed kicks and things like that. He's just very clinical in that regard. So uh is yeah i mean he's he's draftable in my book i i say the last i did see i thought i saw the cowboys take him in like the fourth round and i think it was matt miller's mock draft <laughs> from sunday um 
I mean, again, you get in those mid rounds. I mean, if you can get a guy that you think is going to be on your roster for five, six, seven, maybe in 10 years in terms, you know, if he's a good kicker, then, then you do it. Cause if you don't have a kicker in the NFL, typically you spend an entire season trying to look for one. And sometimes it's too late. It would be a classic Jerry Jones, maybe not even overreaction, but like he was so mad about what happened in the playoffs last year with Brett Maher that he's just going to like reach in the third or fourth round and grab Jake Moody. I would love to see it. Um, and he would reunite with with a couple former teammates there as well. Um, let's talk Olu Oluwatimi, who was not even in a recent mock draft by, I think, was it Matt Miller of ESPN? Um which was obviously surprising, but but not as much given that you see him in some other seven-round mock drafts. And those are really hard to do, by the way. I think they're probably throwing darts towards the end of it because um, these guys focus so much on the first couple rounds, and that's kind of more what you can predict. But he was in the seventh round in Dane Brugler's seven-round uh, mock draft last week. Um, he's the Outland Trophy Award winner. Looking at past Outland Trophy Award winners, just about all of them went top 10 in the entire draft. Uh, the last five have been in the first round. Nine of the last ten have been in the first round. Olu, a little bit of a different beast. I mean, you know, he was kind of more of a college, you know, very, very good in college. I do think he was probably a tad overrated, uh, and I hate to say that because he was so integral for that Michigan offensive line. But uh, your prediction on where Olu Oluwatimi will go? I, I think he'll get drafted. Um, he's a good enough player and, and a good enough, you know, high-character guy, that sort of thing, to, to not. Um, and I think there's going to be value there, but he's not really versatile. You know, he's he's pretty much locked in as a center, and I think that probably makes his value dip a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of versatility there, and he might be scheme dependent too. I mean, he's more of a power guy than I think he is. Uh, you know, all right, Olu, let's go find someone at the second level and, and hit them. I mean, everyone's just everyone's just so much more fast and athletic at, at that next level, but. Um, yeah, I reached out to Matt Miller after that mock, and he said that his mock was based on team intel and that teams just weren't as high on him as maybe the rest of us are. But if I had to throw a dart at the wall, I would still say that someone's probably going to take him in the f- maybe the fifth round. Seems right. Fourth round, maybe. Uh, I think it's a relatively safe pick. Once you get to that day three, you're looking for guys with traits. And um, Olu doesn't really have the the traits that wow you, but uh, the film is good. The IQ is is really solid, and I think that in the right situation at the very least, he's one of the better backup centers in the NFL and maybe has a chance to be a, you know, a pretty good starter. So uh, we'll see with him um, again. I just, I think he just kind of is what he is and that's great. He was an outland trophy award winner. He won um, what was the Remington. He won both yep. of those awards uh, solid, a uh, really good player. Uh, but yeah, I think once you get to the NFL, if you don't have that, tr- that one trait, to hang your hat on in those middle rounds teams are kind of they'll, they'll punt on it until maybe the value is a little bit better for them. So uh, I think he's a good value pick on day three. I just don't know that he's going to go super early. A lot of those guys that everyone projects to fall super late. A lot of times they, they just don't because it just takes one team that just wants them and, you know, is going to grab them and maybe the fifth or sixth. So I could see that easily happening with Olu. Um, let's talk Mike Morris, who I do wonder and I, and I hate to do this because, you know, he's fully – he's two feet in the NFL draft. But, I mean, I do wonder if he knew that that he was going to be this late of a projection, uh, if he would have gone or not. Because when it seems like he kind of made up his mind and was saying, you know, that senior day is going to be his last game and at the big house, um, 
you know, at that point, he was like a top 30 overall prospect. Uh, I remember Mel Kuyper, I think he was 26, is where he had him late in the season. Injury played a factor there, but he had a pretty rough showing at the Combine, pretty rough showing uh, at Pro Day as well in terms of testing. So uh, not a fall from grace, but uh, I think definitely a fall down the draft boards. And, you know, I think Mike Morris can still be productive in the NFL, but it's definitely going to be uh, in, in the later rounds here to start. And, and maybe that'll be better for him, though. You know, maybe he goes to a place that, that fits him a little better and, and that will want to use his skill set uh, as opposed to maybe someone reaching earlier on. You're on a worse team, worse culture, that sort of thing. But uh, your thoughts on, on Mike Morris here? Because he's another one of those guys that I think was, it was a little surprising to see him in the seventh round in that same Dane Brugler mock draft from last week. Yeah, you almost, again, you want guys to get drafted because then you get to say that you were one of the best 250, 260 players in your class. You get to have that designation. But, you know, with a guy like him, if he's going to fall, you almost you almost would be curious to see what a bidding war for him would look like as an undrafted free agent because he is a guy that, you know, when he, when he was healthy last year, he was he was disruptive. He was powerful. I thought the, uh, you know, he's never a, an elite speed guy or anything like that. But um, I think there's a, there's a role for him in the NFL as like a rotational defensive lineman i think the fact that he's proven that he can easily put on weight take off weight easily um i think that that makes him you know versatile in terms of okay is he going to bulk up and play in a three four is he going to play in a four three are they going to kick him inside i think there's a lot of things you can do with him it's just um you know not and this is the thing i would say to michigan fans in general because there's always the you know if a guy's in a first round pick people are like oh well squandered an opportunity to come back next year and, and you know, something that people have to realize is that sometimes you're just a finished product and it's time to go. I don't know that Mike Morris would ever have been, you know, more athletic or faster than he was when he came out. Um, so there, there's a role for him in the NFL um, without question. I think that, um, you know, obviously the pro day, the combine testing were not good, uh, but I think the film when healthy is pretty good. And in the right situation, like you said, I think that he can be someone that, you know, does crack a defensive line rotation. Let's talk Ronnie Bell, uh, who is kind of another one of these guys. I think someone's going to take him. Uh, you know, he's he's too good not to be. He, he didn't appear in that seven-round mock draft that I continue to refer to ad nauseum. Um, but I think Ronnie is just going to be a, a guy that's, that's going to stick in the NFL for quite a long time, you know, barring, barring, you know, health and everything like that. But, I mean, just just so, you know, such a good route runner. He's not an elite athlete, but – is going to be somebody that I think a team, you know, I wouldn't even call it taking a chance on, you know, but just taking a flyer on um, and, and, you know, adding them, adding him to their team and and seeing him go out there and compete, because I think he's probably going to exceed expectations like he has his entire career. Yeah. Ronnie Bell's a guy I would never, I've never cut out Ronnie Bell. I mean, he was someone that was able to find a way to push through on, you know, in a room that, included Donovan Peoples Jones and Tariq Black and Nico Collins. And you know, outside of Tariq Black, those other two guys have been pretty solid NFL wide receivers so far. So for me, again, he's he's probably, yeah, sixth, seventh round pick. The athletic testing doesn't jump off the off the page to you. I think he ran like a four five four. Uh, he claimed that he ran in the four fours after they corrected it, but that was the official number was four five four. Um as someone that can be a fourth wide receiver and maybe be a return guy. I think that he has value for someone too. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Um, interesting to see what happens. 
the further he gets away from, you know, the torn ACL too. I think that there probably is a little more juice there uh, still to unlock, but you know, the way that he, the way that he tracks balls for a player, his size, the way that he, uh, you know, I think he runs good crisp routes again. He's not, uh, he was never Chris Olave, you know, that's just the first name that popped in my head, but I think he could be a quality addition for someone uh, probably somewhere in the sixth round. I like it. Um, and again, some of those late round guys actually have the benefit of going somewhere that fits them a little bit better because teams start, you know, drafting on need a little bit more as opposed to best available, that sort of thing. Um, let's talk about the last few guys here. Uh, I think Ryan Hayes could be picked. Um, I think probably Jamon Green at the corner spot, Brad Robbins at punter, probably undrafted free agents. We did hear earlier on in the week that Jamon Green has talked to, uh, to just about every team in the NFL. He had formal interviews with seven or eight. Um, but your thoughts on Ryan Hayes, Jamon Green, Brad Robbins, and some of those other guys who uh, are also, you know, on the fence maybe of being picked, um, you know, but could be, uh, you know, hearing their name called their name called this weekend and or getting that phone call right after the draft as a priority undrafted free agent. Yeah. I don't know if Brad Robbins is going to get drafted, but I think that he will be one of the first guys to sign an undrafted free agent deal. If he doesn't, Uh, I think that it seemed like at points last year um, he fell off a little bit, but I felt like he, something wasn't right there. Maybe he had a leg injury or whatever it was, but uh, you know, I think that he has a chance to go late, but Probably, I would say probably, God, it, it's just so tough. Um, you know, you get to those later rounds and, and all of these guys, especially guys like, uh, you know, I haven't seen Jamon Green pop up in any mock drafts. Uh, Ryan Hayes, you know, it's been sixth or seventh round, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him fall out altogether. But, you know, there, there are guys that can, you know, be solid depth pieces in the NFL. Um, Hayes, I think it probably comes with a switch inside to guard. He doesn't quite have the length to play tackle and, um, I don't know that he's athletic enough to stay out there, but uh, I could see him being either a swing tackle or a guard uh, in the NFL. Um, who am I missing here? I feel like Hayes, um, Robbins, Jamon Green, Carter Seltzer and Joel Honigford participated in pro day. Joel Honigford apparently uh, has had meetings with a couple of NFL teams. So that's probably a priority free agent thing to look at. Um, uh, I don't see those guys getting drafted, but um, yeah, I think all in all, you look at this list and and there's probably Michigan sent nine guys to the combine. I bet that eight of them are drafted. That would be, uh, that would be my, my uh, bet, so to speak. I like it. I would go seven or eight. I'm trying to look here if we did miss anybody, but I think we, we got everybody there. So uh, we'll be covering it over at the Wolverine.com, not only tonight with uh, potential first round picks, but Friday night, guessing we'll have a couple guys there. And then Saturday, I remember a couple years ago, Michigan had like, I mean, all those Saturday picks, I think in 2020, and they were all within like a half hour. So that was quite the scramble mode over at the Wolverine.com virtual offices. But we will be around regardless for the chaos. Uh, so join us over there. Um, Let's transition into some more kicker talk. Uh, James Turner out of Louisville enters the portal. And this is something that we have talked about for a few weeks. And I think, you know, kind of our shows have been kind of the first ones to start talking about. Does Michigan need another kicker? Um, You know, you have Tommy Dome in there. You have Adam Samaha coming in as a freshman. But I think they'd like a little bit more experience there. And then as soon as James Turner from Louisville, two-time All-ACC honorable mention, 
enters the portal, he also you know clicks that box in there to request teams not to contact him. Uh, and that likely, as, as we've seen you know through precedent here, means that he knows where he's going to end up. Uh, or you know, as soon as he entered the portal, uh, he was able to have contact with teams. And you know, from what we've heard, Michigan in very very good shape here. The Saline Michigan native right down the street there from Ann Arbor uh, makes a whole lot of sense. I'll read off a couple of his stats here. 47 of 59 for his career. Long of 50, which is you know pretty standard. I think people were a little spoiled over the last few years, but he was 20 of 22 uh, last season. That set the Louisville program record for amount of makes in a season. 14 of 20 from in his career from 40 to 49 yards, just one of six from 50 plus and again that long is right at 50 uh he has done kickoffs in the past he did them in 2019 but hasn't the last few years focused uh mostly just on place kicking there and i think really that's the need michigan has right ab i mean i think tommy doman can kick off or adam samaha i think tommy tommy doman can absolutely punt and, and i was asking him that at the fiesta bowl what's your what's your top trait what's your favorite thing to do and he said well i like them all but uh, I think people think I'm I'm best at punting. And, you know, that was kind of the case, it seemed like, throughout his high school career. So if you're Michigan and you know, you know, there's going to be a game that comes down to the wire this fall that, you know, could be for all the marbles or some of the marbles or, you know, all the marbles in the Big Ten, then I think, you know, you'd feel a lot more comfortable, uh, you know, with a guy who has been there, done that. And I think, you know, James Turner would be uh, a pretty solid addition. Yeah, the second you see a kicker, because we've we've known, um, I think we've talked about it the last few weeks on here that kicker was going to be a position that this the staff was going to look at in the portal. The second a kicker pops into the portal and you see that he's from Celine, you go, hmm. Uh, so, you know, draw the conclusions that you may from all of that, including the do not contact designation. So, um, will that you know announcements and things can come as they may, but if all things are pointing in the direction we think it is. Yeah. I, I love, I love this move uh, because, you know, this is a team that has national title aspirations at the very least big time title aspirations. And the fact that, um, you know, you didn't want to get caught in a spot where, you know, you had to lean on Tommy Doman to do both, or, you know, you have to have a true freshman coming in and make kicks. Now, if Adam Samaha wins the kicking battle and he's, you know, he's able to put, good kicks where they belong and bad kicks in the past where they also belong then yeah but that's also a pretty big what if you like to have the known commodities there as well so um yeah i mean i'm 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 extremely on board with it for all the reasons you listed and then some um you know let's just say you get yourself into a national let's just say you get yourself into a national title game with georgia and it's tight and you need a guy to um because i do think that we could be staring at a situation where those two teams are kind of on a collision course this year it didn't happen last year but it feels like if michigan's going to climb the mountain at some point that's going to be the beast that you have to slay uh, and and if you get there and it's a tight game i i like i like the the sound of a james turner kicking field goals for you in that game than i would a true freshman or you know a guy who's also not only punting but let's just say he takes a hit on a punt roughing the kicker type deal and then he's injured and all of a sudden you're, you have to start from scratch. So yeah. Uh, put it where it belongs. Uh, put this special teams, you know, keep the special teams train rolling um, of, of these, these guys that can do the job and have, have experience doing the job. And, 
you know, I want, I want Tommy Dolman to focus on being a lead at one thing instead of having eggs in all kinds of different baskets. I'm sure he's capable. Wouldn't even be surprised if at some point at Michigan, he does wind up half having to be that guy out of necessity. But in the here and now, if this is the opportunity that's presented to you, you take it and just keep building, you know, you're just well-rounded in so many areas. Yeah. It's really hard to do all three. I mean, Michigan hasn't had a guy do that since 2016, Kenny Allen. And that was out of necessity as well. And Kenny Allen did a good job at it, but there were still games where he missed some pretty big kicks. Uh, you know, you look at the Wisconsin game where they they kept that game close because of, I think, three missed kicks from him. But uh, we have here pulled up James Turner's tweet, uh, you know, mentioning that he has the one year left. Um, thanks, Louisville. But, you know, uh, and, and we this is something we talked about, too, and I'm glad we have this pulled up as well. Like, he enjoyed his time at Louisville. There's all sorts of guys right now that are entering the portal that love their school. It's not like there's this hostility there, uh, but just are looking for something new, maybe for that last year. And Michigan has so much to sell in that regard, especially to kickers, because of you know being you know one of those teams at the top of the special teams efficiency ratings over the last few years. Jay Harbaugh being a fantastic special teams coach, uh, and also having great kickers. Jake Moody leaves, and he's probably the most NFL ready kicker as we talked about earlier in the NFL draft, you know, prospects list uh, because of all the the big situations he's been in because of all the success he's had because of how much Jim Harbaugh values kickers. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I could screw up this quote, but he said this, and I think it was on pardon my take uh, several years ago to win a championship. You need a good quarterback, a great defense and a good kicker or uh, a great quarterback, a good defense, and a good kicker. The constant is the kicker. Uh, and he's been a part of championship teams and has seen that. So, um, you know, I think it's really important. Michigan has a ton to sell right there. And, and we could kind of see that. I will not rule out Adam Samaha coming in and being special right away, because when you read about him and you see his stats in high school and watch him kick uh, that, you know, he is super impressive as well. I think he has a bright future and we have to remember not that everyone's going to be Jake Moody, but Jake Moody went 10 for 11 his freshman year uh, handled kickoffs as well. And, and not wasn't the full-time place kicker, but still was able to make 10. Then as a sophomore, um, you know, he starts to play a little bit more and then he really goes off there uh, the last few years. And I will say this as well, Phil Steele talking to him last summer. And, you know, we were just, I think he rated Michigan special teams number one in the country going into last season. And I asked him about that, you know, how important is that, you know, is that something that people maybe will overlook? And he said, it's really important. Uh, he was talking to David Cutcliffe, the former, or is he still at Duke? Uh, the Duke coach who is really high on special teams and has always had good special teams. And he said one year at one Duke, six games, special teams. And that was a year that they got bowl eligible. So it can be that big of a difference. I'm not saying it's going to win Michigan six games, but special teams are super important. And, um, you know, I think solidifying that would be huge for the Wolverines. Uh, anything else, A.B., on – Kicking uh, and James Turner. No, I mean, I'm just, this is more time than a lot of podcasts would devote to the special teams part of it. I, I we joked before the show that this is a special teams and offense, a pro special teams, pro offensive line uh, website and program. So yeah, uh, I, I like, they're just, they're, they're using the trans they're using the transfer portal powers for good in a time where, you know, even just a year ago, we're going, gosh, you know, you got to be able to augment your roster through the transfer portal and these guys don't want to come. Well, you filled, you filled pretty much every single 
not every single hole on your roster, but you've augmented your depth. Uh, it looks like you're going to bring in your next starting kicker here potentially soon. Uh, give, give the staff their flowers again. I mean, the recruiting operation, the transfer portal operation, everything's just kind of humming right now. And uh, you know, we've come on here a lot and, and I say we, but it's, it's been me uh, sometimes Chris and sometimes, you know, the recruiting guys too, but um, this staff and this program is working their tails off right now. And seems like they've kind of figured it out. So winning helps. You have to win football games, but they have, and they've set themselves up to keep this window open. No doubt. I've been critical as well too, AB. You gotta, you gotta point that out as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little, so, you're more even keel though. We can be kind of loud sometimes. <laughs> Uh, um, no. So yeah, like you make great points. I think, um, when you look at it between Jake Moody, Brad Robbins and James Turner and some Tommy Doman and Adam Samaha talk, but you know, it, it's a lot of special teams, but at the same time, it is that important as we kind of talked about, we've seen Michigan win games over the last couple of years, huge ones at Nebraska two years ago, uh, last year against Illinois with the game winning kick. I mean, those are two games that really made those two seasons what they were. So, um, you know, very, very crucial. We'll see what happens with James Turner. Keep it locked at thewolverine.com for updates as we go ahead, not just on James Turner, but guys coming in, guys coming out, all the roster movement, all of that. We will also be on site at a couple of the stops here coming up on Michigan's team trip around uh, the East Coast. Michigan will be in New York, Washington, D.C., Gettysburg, Canton, and Cleveland. And, and I know there's a lot to do in Cleveland and Canton. Those are primetime uh, vacation destinations. And, I mean, I'm half kidding there. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, those are great attractions. We will both be at those stops. But part of me thinks, just part of me, thinks that they're doing – like they're going to bring that Big Ten Championship trophy over there. They're probably going to take a picture uh, or two like they did in Lansing last year. Part of me just respects the troll job as well, uh, Anthony, but we will have our Chris Ballas will be in New York this weekend uh, covering the team. We'll get some exclusive interviews from that. We will get uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and he will be able to also, and, and same with us at the, the Ohio Stops, just speak to what this experience has been like and, and talking to some of these guys. They enjoyed the hell out of that trip last year to, to uh, you know around the state of Michigan. Uh, guys have enjoyed the trips overseas, which it sounds like they're trying to get back to in the coming years once things kind of die down from the pandemic. But, uh, Anthony, team trip coming up. I'm excited to uh, to see a couple things I haven't before in the state of Ohio, lovely state, and uh, and also uh, you know see what comes out of the rest of the trip on the East Coast. I mean, you're going to have to rip me out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've, I've just been talking football That's for your 40 wheel minutes. Yeah. I've got vinyl records on the on the wall behind me. I've got a guitar maybe eight feet to my left. That's going to be a good day. We're looking forward to um, – that's the stop I'll be on. I'm looking forward to that. So, yep. yeah, um, I say next year, if you make it three in a row, three wins over Ohio State, uh, three Big Ten championships, don't, don't go – do the whole trip through the state of Ohio. Cleveland, Canton, uh, Toledo, go to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton. Um, head down to Paul Brown Stadium uh, where the Cincinnati Bengals play. Great American Ballpark. Do it all. Just gallivant through the state. I want that Big Ten championship trophy on like Millennium Force at Cedar Point. I want it. I, that's That would be the way to go, I think. Well, Chris Ballas, uh, 
our esteemed colleague wrote about last year, how John Jansen found himself in a, in a parade coming back from a vacation up through Ohio in uh, in a little town. And there's some parade going through and he just blasts uh, the victors going through there. And the people were throwing beer cans at him and stuff <laughs> like, so let John Jansen lead the way. Uh, I wouldn't mess with that dude. And, uh, and just kind of see what happens and, and rile people up. If you get three straight, I'm with you. Um, but we will see what comes from that. Always a great experience. And I'll say this to end it is, you know, Michigan got a lot of criticism early on for whatever reason for doing these, taking the the team to Rome, taking the team across Europe, South Africa, all those stops. Um, but it's like, I I don't see any negatives with this. Um, and it's an incredible experience that I wish I would have had, you know, being in college, um, and being able to do that. I've hardly left the country. So, uh, and they're not leaving the country here, but they're going to see parts of the country that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to see, especially with their teammates, their coaches, you know, a lot of their friends. Um, so that'll be a great experience for them. But uh, we will leave it there for today. We'll catch you guys on Monday with our live show. But as we said, uh, and as it says on the screen, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel here as we climb towards 22,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you to everybody watching, everybody listening, and we will see you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 